Hungry for change in your life? Feed your ambition with Board Bia Talent Academy's Insights and Innovation Program. Get some incredible food for thought with a fully funded master's from DCU Business School. Learn from world-class innovators with placements in Irish food, drink and horticulture companies. And do it all while bringing home the bacon with a generous monthly bursary. Sound like your cup of tea? Nourish your career prospects by visiting boardbia.ie forward slash talent academy. Applications closing soon. Hey there. Enjoying the episode? Pretty good, right? Before we get back to it, how about a quick break to share your thoughts and win big? You could bag yourself a 500 euro one for all voucher. Ready to enter? Head to mypodcastfeedback.com, pop in the code tech and fill out the short survey. Tune across right now? No problem. You can also find the survey link in the show notes. Go on, make your opinion heard and good luck. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of The Irish and Sunday Independent. Paul Mealy, the environment editor of The Irish Independent, is here with me. Paul, am I, did I do that intro chirpily enough? Very chirpy. Very chirpy. Very chirpy. Yeah, you're the sanguine deep voice here to my chirpy, uh, my chirpiness today. Um, we're talking about uh, recycled iPhones. I was on at a conference recently where one of Apple's senior executives said that all their iPhones are going to be uh, recycled um, and I remember thinking does anybody care hmm. does anybody care well, that's probably a good thing to do it's good for corporate social responsibility presumably the stock market would probably like it yeah yeah corporate social responsibility is that just a big con uh, well I don't know I would have a view that perhaps maybe if there's a lot of lip service in it but yeah. you know it does seem to be more and more I mean you know they talk about impact investing now what does that in, mean? Investing in companies that do good things, so good things for the planet, good things for the environment, don't leave a lot do of people, waste behind them. Ever, do people ever invest their money in Good returns, like there's good returns on them. So Isn't that the basis on which they invest though? Yeah, it is, but apparently the returns are quite good if you can kind of invest in the right companies. Mm. So I think there's a few bigger funds now who are getting into it and doing that. There's a couple of Irish companies I think involved in them as well. That are so the fact that they're, they're being ethical or they're, they're uh, doing good for the environment is really secondary. Is it? Oh, it's all about the money. It's yeah. all about the money. But I mean, look at somewhere like Kingspan that do really good stuff, really good insulation, good for building efficiency and energy efficiency, mm-hmm. lowers bills, good for the planet. They're doing very well. They're a very, very valuable company, leaders in their I field. I think we have know? a Kingspan thing out the back garden. No, that's not Kingspan. That was the other big Irish um, uh, utility, home utility, environmental underground heating. Yeah. Uh, is that Kingspan? Is uh, that the same company? Um, I know the one you're talking it, about. It, it essentially means that our heating bills are lower, and that's the only reason we use it. There's a heat pump. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's the reason we use it. Yeah. It's good, um, though. Lower he- heating bills are good. More I money for products. I think I will be giving Kingspan more money because we're looking to renovate a cottage and completely uh, redo it with external wall insulation. Yeah. But, uh, apologies, listeners. Sorry, we're often way off on a tangent here. Uh, and... Uh, the bulk of the money that we're going to spend is actually for external wall insulation. Yeah, that's very good stuff. That's good mm. tech and it's good use of money and mm. you get grants for you get it. get a big grant for it. Big you grant 6, for it. 6,000 euro of an SEAI grant. Yeah, you can get more though. If you do the Tipperary Energy Agency do a super retrofit program that they'll do anywhere in the country Can't now. Can't afford it. Uh, well, it's a pity. Work harder, Adrian. <laughs> you could. You'd save money on the long term. But I in know. fairness, all of that stuff is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And most of what's driving that is not necessarily the money savings for people, is you get a warmer, better house. That's what my wife says. 
Yeah. That's what she wants. Um, I'm doing it because I'm trying to stop damp, actually, believe yeah. it or not. Well, then it's a win-win in, the, uh, in your house. It's a win-win for everyone because yeah. I'm shelling out mightily for it. Good. Yeah. Good. And the taxpayer's kind of shelling out for it because I'm getting an SEAI grant yep. putatively back at some point for €6,000. The cost of the installation is actually €11,000. Mm-hmm. And then I'm doing a few things on top of that. But then supposedly I'll get 6000 yeah. back in the ground. And it's great. It's a big job creator. Big employment generator mm-hmm. too. There's lots of jobs in this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. very good for the environment. It's very good at reducing emissions. It's a very sensible way to spend public money mm-hmm. on that. Because, you know, this week we have learned from Richard Bruton, the Environment and mm-hmm. Climate Action Minister, that the state's probably going to have to spend about €100 million Euros in 2020. Uh, buying real cash, permits. not, not real Bitcoin. Cash. I see I'm trying to bring this back yeah. to tech, but no. Yeah, real, money, real money, real money for failing to reduce emissions for to meet our 2020 European targets, okay. which we signed up to. Mm-hmm. They weren't foisted upon us. We agreed to them. Mm-hmm. So 100 million is a lot of money. It's a lot of I know a way that we could reduce emissions, right? We could all work more in cities. Yeah, that would be good. Am I right? We can consolidate our urban spaces. You're Stop right. Stop using cars. Yeah. Start building up. Yeah. Start using more tech, like yep. with remote working. Here's a funny thing on tech, electric mm-hmm. vehicles, the mm-hmm. solution to everything. Yeah. Electric vehicles do nothing for congestion. It's still a car on the road. Yeah. So we need to be conscious of that too when we're, when we're Sorry, telling everyone I'm to I'm trying to interpret across. that. Is that good or bad? Electric vehicles hey, Electric vehicles bad? are good if you produce the power from the right places. So mm-hmm. if you're not producing it from coal-fired power plants, for example, mm-hmm. uh, but if you're producing it from wind, which we probably will in Ireland because we have a lot of wind and it blows during the nighttime mm-hmm. when we don't have great demand for it, but we still have to get out of those cars because they still clog I, up our cities. Yeah. So I got into trouble with the electric vehicle community in Ireland a few weeks back because mm. I wrote a review in the Sunday Independent of the e-golf, the electric golf yeah. from Volkswagen. And it was part review of the vehicle, which was amazing. Brilliant car to drive. And then it was part slamming it the lack because of, charging. of the, ra- the range. Yeah. The range was so poor and the lack of charging yeah. infrastructure. And I wrote it and I wrote it in that kind of vernacular. Mm. I wrote it from the standpoint of an absolute ordinary punter who wants to buy an electric car, because that is me, yep. going from a diesel, and I can't do it because yep. of the range. I just can't do it. You can buy a hybrid, though. It's not the same at all. Hybrids, I think, about 50% of the time in city driving, they're in electric mode. My mother has been a Prius driver mm. for seven or eight years. Mm. Lovely car. Kind of boxes you in. You sort of feel a bit trapped there mm. in the steering wheel. I don't like the way it's designed internally, but other, very nice, lovely feeling when it drives, all the rest of it. Still uses petrol. It does, except in the cities. It, it yeah. mostly runs on, on, uh, on electric. Does it? So apparently the research is mm. showing that. Kind of an expensive car as well, but electric cars are expensive. I mean, the e-Golf is... Yeah. I don't know, thirty six, forty thousand. It's 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 yeah. way more than. But there's an interesting thing. There's a lot of secondhand electric cars being bought now, and a lot of like secondhand being imported they're in. Kind of and mostly Nissan Leafs. A lot of that, yeah, yeah, and they're coming in, and they're coming Three in really because there seems old. to have been a bit of a switch made with people where they say, mm. "I'm not driving from Cork to Dublin every day." So in fact, I don't need you know the what? range. The problem I have with that argument, yeah, because it is an utterly large. The argument there, it's utterly logical, which is. I'm not going to be driving, you know, more mm. than 60 kilometers on my average day. So why would I need a, a diesel, a fossil fuel car? The problem I have with that is that I want to be able to drive occasionally, sometimes at the last minute, yeah. uh, outside Dublin yeah. and maybe to Cork, etc. 
And if I want to drive to Belmullet in Mayo, for example, which is where long drive, which is where this uh, insulated cottage is that I'm getting my SEAI grant for, which I anticipate driving, uh, you know, to quite a bit over the next six months, um, then I have to drive along a road through Longford and Roscommon, and between the towns of Longford and Ballina, there is precisely one recharging station. Mm. And that's 110 kilometers or something. And, it may not and that's work one spot, there. and it's a slow recharging spot. Yeah, silly. Now, first of all, do I want to take the risk that that spot will actually be unoccupied and working? Mm. That's, and I know there's an app where you can check stuff whether it's working. And second of all, uh, even if I do, based on my experience with both driving the Leaf and the Golf, on one of those slow uh, stations, it takes a minimum of two to three hours to get mm. enough to continue your journey. Yeah. So it's a huge issue. It's a know, huge issue. The charging network is a huge issue, though, because really ESB now are getting out of it mm. uh, in the sense are that... Are they getting out of it? Well, in the sense that they developed it with government mm. money. With, well, with that, our yeah. money, it was a levy on our ESB bills. Now the regulator has said to it, look, you've got to get out of it because essentially you're charging all electricity customers to fund an electric charging yeah. network, whereas not everybody has an electric car, so that's unfair, so you need to figure out what you're going to do. So there's a big question mark now as to what happens with the network. So in other words, do you get other people in? Do you get other companies in? Does the state back it? Does the state do it? But even on the practical stuff of what you said, there's an app to say whether there's a charging station mm -hmm. or not. Don't know if there's an app that, that realistically are, tells you if A, it works, the second thing is, why can't you book a charging station? Why can't you say I will arrive at four mm. o'clock at such and such a time, even, and therefore that, that you will have I mean, it? Like compared it's to what I have at the moment, which, yeah. which is which is a twenty uh, berth, you know, petrol or diesel station, some yeah. massive apple green, yeah, yeah. and then a load along the way. Uh, I can just stop in. Takes me no more than ninety seconds. Yeah, uh, it's enough for, to keep me going for five hundred kilometers. Yeah, it's new technology though too. I mean, you know, we can't expect it all to happen immediately. I mean, yeah. the stuff does get better and it will get better, but I it know. just needs people to use it and it needs that kind of stuff. Of, I, you know, can I book in and do it? Yeah. You might say that's not good to me when I go to Belmullet. I decide on a Friday evening mm. I'm going to go for the weekend. But you know, this is stuff that shouldn't be beyond our wit and ambition really oh, to figure out. I agree completely. And at the day that it becomes even partially feasible I am there as I said in the piece that I wrote for Sunday Independent I want to be an electric vehicle owner I love the idea I love the way they drive I think it's the future I, the, the, the sooner we get rid of petrol and diesel absolutely the better um, but it needs that stuff but it needs, needs that stuff it does stuff. Yeah, you're right. where are we at with Tesla do you know whether we have any super I think is there one supercharged station I think there's two Sandyford there's, there's, one Sandyford, there's one outside Limerick as well right yeah there's one there as well but there's not that many Teslas I suppose no. so more they of them. Use, there's more of them uh, there's more of them but I mean it's kind of a status symbol. I see it at things like um, you know um, posh golf clubs there's now you know whereas it used to be just all Mercs and BMWs yeah. and the, the odd Audi and the odd Range Rover now there's a Tesla. There's a sort of always one them, Tesla. Yeah, yeah. That's for the sort of the 55-year-old um, show-off who wants to show that he's down with a tech as well, you see. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not early adopters, isn't it? <laughs> the people that buy the... I don't the, know anybody under 40 who has a Tesla. Uh, probably not, not that many people under 40 have the money to buy a Tesla. Um, a lot of people under 40 have the money to buy a four-year-old BMW 3 Series and mm. put a, a spoiler on the back. Um you yeah. know, because uh, I see them at lights all the time. By the way, that is the best time to have an electric car like a Nissan Leaf because it looks a bit like a granny car, but it's so fast in the acceleration, it takes off, it takes off so that you're sitting side by side with the guy 
who is 10 years younger than you but thinks that he's really hot crap. He's a print cartridge salesman mm. and he thinks that he's going to dust you and then you just take off and there's yeah. there's not even any competition. I drove a hydrogen car around Germany. A hydrogen yeah, car? Yeah, from Hamburg down to... Uh, How does that work? It's hydrogen gas. Yeah. And they, they fill it at filling stations and uh-huh. it takes about 90 seconds. <laughs> and wow. And fill it the same way as, as you okay. know, a petrol or a diesel pump. Is that uh, better for the environment? Than well, all that comes out of the, the tailpipe is water. Right. That's it. That's the emissions. Oh, so there's no emissions at there's all. There's no emissions, no. And what they do is they, they do it of two ways. They do it a lot in Germany. Germany mm. is quite ahead of the curve and they do mm. it because they use, uh, there's a lot of industrial processes. We don't really have them here as such. How do you mean industrial process? Well, in other words, just kind of big chemical plants and things like that that would have a byproduct of hydrogen. So right now oh. they have to deal with it some way. So you can refine that and make it into a fuel. They have hydrogen so buses. They're developing a hydrogen train. Uh, they have a hydrogen airplane that has flown uh, there as well. And one of the interesting things was that they were talking about um, could you scale it up in Ireland? Mm. And what they do in Germany, there's one plant that I saw where at nighttime they use power from a wind farm Mm-hmm. And they synthesize water and produce hydrogen gas, which is then tanked and used. So you can produce it from water. Huh. Using all of this wind power that's not being used ordinarily. Yeah. So they use it during the daytime. Now, the big thing, of course, are they dangerous? Well, the, one person said to me, you know, if you drive in any vehicle at speed into a solid object, yeah. it's dangerous. Hydrogen is really no different. You know, they're, they're right. convinced it's not going to blow up when you're driving it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But again, I've, I've never actually driven an electric car, mm-hmm. but a hydrogen car goes like the clappers. And it's like, as I gather with electric as well, there's no... There's no going through the gears. It just goes really? zero to bang, like what you were saying at the traffic lights. Wow. Hydrogen are the same. There's one, the ones that I was driving was a Toyota Mirai, which I think is about 80,000. I've driven a Toyota Mirai before. Yeah. I've driven well, a petrol Toyota yeah. Mirai. Yeah. Well, the Mirai, what they do in the States, which is quite clever, is they lease them. Mm-hmm. So what they do is you lease it for X amount per month and you get free fuel two years oh. so in fact it's as cheap if not cheaper than just leasing oh, a normal car and you get your very fuel. good so, so that's what they're doing the other thing that mm-hmm. Toad have done on a tech because this is all about tech they've they've made all of their tech open so they're saying anyone can, can use the tech that they've done and that they've developed and use their cars because Toyota and Japan have this big thing about the hydrogen society so they're saying we should be heating our homes with hydrogen running our vehicle fleets with hydrogen so they want innovation and they want more action in well that would make sense because japan has such a massive industrial base it still makes things it still has factories and so does germany yeah yeah, we don't really make anything here not a whole lot not not and britain increasingly doesn't make and thanks to brexit the north that voted for brexit they're not going to make much more anyway either yeah yeah. so i mean that that's an interesting thing as well hydrogen that we don't talk about here is it expensive to generate or store um I don't know. Probably, I don't know. It probably is, but again, it's but like probably because rich countries like Germany and Japan are doing it. Probably, yeah. Is, again, it's that thing of you know you start off and it's. Expensive you mentioned and wind farms uh, mm. as an integral process in some process, and all I can hear is mine. Hang on a second, wind farms. Are yeah. you telling me there's going to be a wind farm now brought up against uh, beside my beside yeah. my property? Yeah, it's actually it tends to be more people from South Dublin who move to the. Move I'm to sorry, are you, are you telling me that there's going to be yeah. a wind farm? Yeah. I spent good money on this holiday Certainly. home. Yeah, yeah. And this is going to decrease my value. Will, now, yeah. are yeah. you telling me? I mean, the noise is just absolutely Horrendous. awful. Horrendous. And the fl- shadow flicker. The shadow flicker? What's yeah. the shadow oh, flicker? Oh, you know, you're sitting in your room and because the blades are going around and the sun is coming through them, you get a flicker on your wall. And is that not a feature? It's insane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a selling point. Yeah, wind farms, you know, most wind farms just work and mm. they don't really generate huge opposition. Some do and some are in the wrong place mm. without a shadow of a doubt. But, you know, 
wind farms can always come down. They've a, they've a design life of, I think, about 20, 30 years. Yeah. So right now, they're a pretty good bet. In 30 years' time, you take them down. Here, here's a fun fact. If you look at the first wind farms built in Ireland in the mid-90s, I think each one would, each, each, each turbine would mm-hmm. generate about 250, uh, I cannot even make kilowatts. it, they're not even kilowatts, possibly. Anyway, basically, megawatts, a, a turbine today yeah. produces about the same power as six to eight of the old ones. Wow. So they're getting better and there's fewer Whenever and fewer I them Whenever I see a turbine, there's always, there's always like, there'll be a, like a, a kind of a bank of 10 or 12 or mm. 16. And it always looks like half of them are just lying there idle, like they can't be arsed yeah. or yeah. there's something going on that, no, they, these yeah. ones aren't working, these ones are, you know how it is. Yeah. Well, actually, do you know an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, crowd are Airgrid, the national grid mm. operator, because Airgrid have, can accommodate, I think the figure is 65% of renewable power on the grid at any one time, which is the highest amount of any grid operator in the world for an island nation, because mm-hmm. we're very small. Mm-hmm. So they're really, really good at bringing on the renewable stuff. So policy is you don't bring on the coal and you don't bring on the peat and you don't bring on the oil. You don't bring until oh, the until generation the until the wind has, has done its Got business it. and yeah. the hydro, for example, in Arden and Russia. Ah. So they're really good at that. About mm. So as a result, our emissions from energy are mm. coming down. So why are um, we in trouble then? On emissions? Oh, because it's not just energy. I mean, energy is traded, so you buy permits to pollute oh. and that stuff. Our is it problem cows is the farting? There, were, there was a story it's, years it's ago. Cows belching, cows belching, 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 not farting. Not farting. Yeah, it's methane. It's, it's, it's belching cows. What do um, they fart if it's not methane? Uh, I think it is methane, but I think there's more methane in the belching, as I understand <laughs> it. However, it's the cows, it's that. the agricultural practices, it's the transport, it's the residential sector. Your retrofitted cottage yeah. compared with a non-retrofitted cottage yeah. is a totally different animal in terms of what it's going to produce, in terms of the energy it's going to use, in terms of the emissions it's going to generate. Totally different. So right now it's powered by oil and it still will be afterwards, yeah. but presumably we'll need it a lot less of it. Less and less. Of course, you could stick in a heat pump in it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Geothermal is an option. Solar for your water is an option. You know option. what I'd really love? I'd love, speaking of wind, I saw this a few years ago, but I just don't know how practical it is at all. It may not be. Is a smaller wind turbine that, because it's on, it's on mm. two acres, just under two acres. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, to stick a wind turbine there and to use that, yeah. I have no idea how feasible that would be, though, or where I would even start. There's to, an to interesting project going on in Dingle at the minute that the ESB are rolling out. And what they've done is they've taken a group of houses and they're sticking solar panels on them and all the rest. And I think there is small turbines as well, but I stand corrected on that. Mm-hmm. You do see small turbines. Mm-hmm. And the idea is basically is that they're going to be producing power and they're going to use the power. And any excess power that they generate is going to be held in batteries in their houses, oh, which batteries. aren't that big. Yeah, They're not yeah. big. I mean, they're yeah. about the size of kind of a, a gas-fired burner, that kind of a yeah. size, I understand yeah. it. And the idea it's is like basically, cupboard. can you come yeah. off grid entirely? So Ooh. in other words, that when, because remember, solar... You mean disconnect or just, just effectively act? Effectively act as if okay. you're disconnected. So you don't need sunshine for solar. You need light. That's, yes. that's how they're working. Mm-hmm. Solar tech has come way down in cost. Mm-hmm. So you produce this power, you store what you don't use. Mm-hmm. The idea really is to take it to its, its, its logical mm-hmm. conclusion is, is that there comes a point where you can feed that back into the grid. There's an interesting mm-hmm. guy called Jeremy Rifkin. But why would you? Why would you? Because, because you'd be paid for it. Yes, but but... Didn't, wasn't there a scenario, I think in the north, where they used to be paid for it when they generated electricity from solar on their normal mm. uh, residential roofs? But I believe a couple of years ago, I think that the government up there cut that off. Or Possibly. They, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, I think um, a, ch- a chap called Jeremy Rifkin, who's a US uh, kind of 
economic kind of theorist has this this idea. He talks about the third industrial revolution and mm. he talks about basically how we need to change. He's advised the Chinese government, the European Commission and so on. He talks about energy being driven by citizens where people will be prosumers. So in other words, you have your little turbine and you have your solar panel. Mm -hmm. You produce your own power for your home. If you're in an apartment block, the apartment block produces its own power. If you're in an office building, it produces its own power. And the excess, it sells to the grid, which sells it off to other places. So you eliminate the need for so much big generation and these big power plants. So if everybody is doing it, his thinking mm -hmm. is, is that you basically get energy companies whose job really is to distribute all to the distribute energy and, and to operate. The have grid. you ever seen The Matrix? Uh, I have. <laughs> the Matrix uh, that was didn't they didn't they didn't the machines derive their power from, from humans? humans? Yeah, they that's actually right. birthed them and everything. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There's a certain amount that uh, I actually have seen um, uh, uh, power generators from uh, human activity, whether it's step. Power mm. generator. No, just really small. They've connected of tiles, energy. connected tiles, and some radio stations. Tiles, walk right. on them, power the lights. So you walk on the tiles. Yeah, yeah. Creates a very small amount of energy. Uh, yeah, and a very small little give in it. Yeah, and that powers lights and things yeah. like that. Yeah, and the old dynamos that we on uh, the bicycles that we used yeah. to use. The problem with that solar idea, though, in terms of batteries, is mm. in Ireland it's so uneven the amount of light. We get fantastic light in the summer. We don't necessarily need Apparently all the energy. Apparently, it's not an issue. Apparently, it's not an issue. There's a lot of investment going into it. In Ireland, for example, in most in 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 Ireland as, as a whole, in general, we get about eighteen hours of light at the peak in June, and we get something like seven hours, of, mm. you know, at, at at the worst point in a few weeks' time. And I have to imagine, and it's colder in the winter, so mm. I have to imagine that the, that's just a big problem with. I don't know. I mean, you have so, John Mullins, the former chief executive board, gosh, Amarenko Solo, Solar have done a lot. They've a lot of options there. They're kind of waiting for a feed-in tariff to come in, and mm -hmm. they seem fairly convinced, and others too. I mean, there's the Irish Solar Energy Association, which says right. they can generate quite a lot and take mm. up quite a bit. And the, the kind of the upside of the solar stuff is, is that you can still graze sheep underneath solar panels. So the land is kind of put to use twice. So it's not a case How of... How do you mean under solar? But in other words, solar panels are kind of at a height above the ground. Yeah. So I think it's about four or five oh, feet. Oh, I see. So you just put them on poles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can still continue to graze the land with little animals and they do all that. So there's a production on the land, which, yeah. is, which is quite good as well. Mm. So that's, I mean, look, they're, they're saying the business case stacks up. I'd have to defer to them on that one. Hmm. That's uh, interesting. It is and quite interesting, yeah. Are we, will we never adopt nuclear in this country? Is that just... As, look, as I understand it, we're a bit small for nuclear. Nuclear power plants are right. very, very big. There is yeah. smaller reactors, I think. But we also have a legal ban, of course, on nuclear energy as well. Okay. So we'd have, I to, didn't realize we'd have to change that. Okay. Uh, I think we're just too small. And the big thing with nuclear is, of course, what to do with the waste. Right. Do we care that much about the waste? Oh, I think we should care I'm about the waste. I'm just being devil's advocate here. No, I think here, we should care about the waste. I mean, you know, we're supposed to be at a stage now where we're technologically advanced enough that we should be able to generate stuff without producing this really dangerous mm. byproduct that's so hard to get rid of and so hard to store. And mm. I mean, even if you look at the cost of nuclear, I mean, Hinkley Point in the UK, look at what consumers will be paying there for the power. It's hugely expensive, far more expensive than renewables. UK is planning, I think, another eight plants. There's a problem with financing them. Mm. There's all sorts of issues with nuclear. Um, but how are we going to generate the big PCs to, to mine uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency? Yeah, yeah. This is the big question. That is the big question that energy. the nation is talking about. Well, this we is a mine Bitcoin? <laughs> well, we're talking about it now. Yeah. But this is the reason why so many people think that the Russians and the Chinese and certain countries in the Middle East are now have now cornered the market in mining Bitcoin because they're the only places in the world where they either own the electricity grid so they can control it uh, from a central uh, mm. standpoint where money is not an issue or that the cost of energy is so cheap to them. Like in the Middle East, 
um, you know, it, it's and, and Russia as well, and um, you could argue Canada maybe as well has mm. has that capacity yeah. as well. It's just so cheap that they can just just buy a whole lot of servers, just throw a lot of energy, and then kind of hoover up the. It's a good thing for us that the price of Bitcoin though is has fallen yeah. considerably. It's down. It's to kind a of a silly city use of energy too, isn't it? Not if you're the one owning the Bitcoin. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of let's make another currency. That's the point of that, <laughs> and that was cryptocurrency yeah. summed up in one pithy sentence. But it kind of is, isn't it? It's kind of you know the best of human endeavors. There's loads of other things maybe we should focus our minds it's on. It's funny though. actually because we spoke in our podcast next week is with uh, a person who has set up a PR agency here in Dublin um, uh, called Waxman, and essentially that has it's grown to to 50 people purely on blockchain and crypto industry and the growth therein uh, around Europe. So um, what I notice about crypto and Bitcoin and all that sort of stuff, other than it's still confusing for a lot of people, and other than the fact that a lot of mainstream industries, despite being exposed to for years, won't get involved, it's a lot of the whack jobs that are attracted to it. There are a lot of now. I'm specific. I'm not referring to some of the people I've interviewed on this before. Mm. They are all absolutely Normal, smart individuals same. who are doing interesting things, particularly around the blockchain. And I have Wax, mm. Waxman in, in mind there. But some of the people who who operate around the edges of it, who are kind of on social media promoting crypto, trying to get you know, to write about crypto, to people who I'm going to be absolutely honest, who are weirdos and losers uh, 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 drifting around until crypto came around because nobody else really understands it. Mm. They've latched onto it and it, it absolutely sickens me. I, I see these conferences now and I see these people who are invited to talk and invited into panels and I know they're total wasters. I know they're mm. total wasters and just because they have just latched on to something that they know that 99% of people don't really understand. Now that, now that gives them um, and in, anyway, may, maybe someday I'll have a panel with all of them just yeah. to, you know, and just for put a bit you of fun. in the right. <laughs> sort you out, Wetter. I know. I know. <laughs> um, and I, I, I do wonder if I went to the SEAI for my insulator and said, could I pay them in Bitcoin. crypto? I wonder what yeah. the. Uh, there, you know, there were a few companies that accepted, like Microsoft used to uh, accept Bitcoin if you wanted to buy stuff on their online store. And there was a crowd called Overstock, overstock.com. Big mm. website. They have a facility up in Sligo, and they accepted crypto. But I actually don't really know anyone else who actually does accept. I would have thought in the environment community there'd be a few floating around on the edges, more on the hippie end of things mm. that are would be sort of dabbling in. There, there, there is a bit of a crossover. We had a pie chart here, not a pie chart. What's the chart where they the Venn Venn diagram? Mm. There is cert. I believe without gratuitously insulting anyone, there is a crossover between kind of chancers, hippies, and new tech evangelists. Yeah. And there is a bit of a crossover in crypto right in the middle there. Mm. You know, um, I know one hippie journalist and she keeps talking to me about, you know, the benefits of crypto and she's really interested in, in the empowering agents of crypto. And um, how does it empower you? <laughs> it, it empowers, I think she goes to a lot of, I think there's, you know, she goes to conferences where the after parties have have all sorts of stuff going on. So okay. I don't know. There might be that might be an element that could to be it. Empowering. <laughs> it could be very empowering. Yes. Um what else did I I, I want to talk to you about? I wanted to talk to you about yeah, just back to the recycling. Recycling <laughs> uh, of tech goods. And 
we were talking about lithium. Yeah. That there may actually be a problem. So the Apple say that they're going to get to a point where they're going to have completely recycled iPhones. Hmm. And that's great. And they're making the point that, you know, to be environmentally aware doesn't mean you have to give up on the bottom line. They're the richest company in the world. Their stock mm. price, they're almost worth a trillion dollars. They've actually dipped below the trillion dollars again, but they're still there, thereabouts. They just had a quarter where they made $62 billion. So that was the revenue for the quarter. Um, you know, they're probably the most profitable company mm. in the world. And they, they can do it. And, and they're pretty much have been built on innovation. Yes. The whole way through. Yeah. So this is perhaps the next logical step. I mean, mm -hmm. people talk about the circular economy, which I guess this is kind of what is. Mm -hmm. And the idea with the circular economy is not in a tech way, but let's use the example of a carpet. You buy a carpet, you put it in your house, you mm -hmm. walk on it, you spill stuff on it, you clean it over a number of years. You say it's time to change the carpet. The idea with the circular economy is that every single part of that carpet is reused, mm -hmm. repurposed, recycled, used to generate other products. So the idea is that there is no waste whatsoever from that carpet. Therefore, you need to you don't need to go back and get new natural resources, mm. which causes environmental problems if done on a mass scale. So if you take that, we'd say with iPhones and all the rest, it, it is a good thing to do that insofar as you can, because really it just shows again that cleverness, doesn't it? And yeah. that innovation that you're avoiding having to go back again mm -hmm. and generate new stuff. I, what I think is kind of interesting with phones is, and we spoke about this briefly earlier, if you look at my phone and your phone, mm. they're getting bigger, they're getting smaller, you know, mm. they're thinner, they're sleeker, mm. they're more durable and all the rest. I don't quite understand, and maybe you can tell me why, mm. you can't just upgrade that phone using the same device, that all the software changes, that we say the camera, maybe you've got to change a lens on the camera, but that by and large, so you can't just completely revamp that phone. So, so like a modular yeah, idea. Yeah, so kind of like your iPhone 5 becomes your iPhone 9 because you right. buy the software to upgrade it and maybe you have to take it to a, an Apple shop and they mm. change something in the camera. But essentially that mm. you can do all that. I don't understand why you can't do that. Well, uh, my understanding is that is essentially for two reasons. One is the shift in technology and manufacturing processes, which is actually, believe it or not, changing all the time. And mm. it's not just to do with physically where they're made in China or, uh, you know, Malaysia or, or elsewhere, but it's to do with the chipsets inside and the engines. So Apple itself develops a lot of its own silicon now, mm. but that means every time it upgrades silicon, it has to consider how that will impact the actual shape of the phone, the same with the cameras. Other manufacturers like Huawei, the latest one, the Mate uh, 20 Pro, which I have at the moment, has uh, three cameras on the back, wide angle, standard, and zoom lens. But to do that, it had to sort of, sort of mm. uh, reimagine how the actual physical phone well, maybe, was built. Well, maybe for the likes of you, you mm. want that. Yep. But maybe for the likes of me and lots of me's, mm -hmm. I want a camera mm -hmm. and I want, you know, to run my social media and I want to get my emails and all that kind of stuff. Ah. So maybe I don't need. Well, now that. you see before the camera was on the smartphone, maybe you would have been saying at that time, I don't need, need a, a camera. camera. I just need. Absolutely. And before that, you would have said, I don't need Internet. I just need something for calls and texts. And before that, yep. you would have said, I don't need text. I just need. Call. So like yeah. there's always been this, this. No, this absolutely. But I think in the meantime, I think you see what's happening is this, is that you have new models of phone coming out and particular brands, you have people queuing for them and, and really excited about this mm. brand new phone. But they're a fairly small market, I would have thought, that these people that are really just mad keen on the new tech and having 
the best software and the best system and all the rest. There's probably lots and lots and lots of people that would mm. be quite well served by just upgrading their own handset. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that that means you stop innovating and you stop creating new products and you stop putting three cameras on phones or five on phones mm -hmm. or whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. You can do all of that stuff. But I'm saying in terms of using natural resources all the time to generate this stuff, like it is consumerism for right. a large part to it. We are now, consumers. We are consumers. I mean, the bulk you know, of the market, the 70, 80% looks to the top five, 10% of what they're getting. And they say, ultimately, they say, I want that. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, like we're recording this around the Black Friday period. Mm. And this is the biggest orgy of consumerism we, we see, yeah. see Which all didn't year. exist 10 years ago, five years ago, maybe. And it now it exist exists and everybody sense. buys into it. Uh, most people what do, does that but tell again, you, about the human you, condition, you don't you know? have to. Well, I suppose. Well, you don't have to at all. Yeah. I suppose it tells you two things, really. It tells us that marketing people are very, very good. It tells us that. So they're very yeah. smart and they're telling us to do stuff. I don't think really that people's lives work, are they richer. Exactly. Of course yeah. not. So you're appealing to something all the time, yeah. a base nature of, of, of people that, you know, you will be better if you have this. And I mean, we know this by branded clothing, for example. And that's that's the way it is. There's nothing wrong with that, but you don't have to buy into that. No. And what I'm saying in terms of Apple and their recycling, that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. All companies should be doing it in everything they do, mm -hmm. in everything they do. You should be looking to recycle all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at things like buildings, for example, you know, a building has a finite life. There comes a point, maybe 60 years that you need to kind of decide, does the building need to come down and we build a new one or can we do something with it? Mm. And in some cases you can, in some cases you can't. Like, for example, Liberty Hall here on the Dublin Keys has a giant lift shaft going up through the middle of the building. You would never design a building like that. Now We have in our building here we in have Talbot in, Street in as our well. building too. It's badly designed. Your mm. lift should be on the side of the building because that means then you can change all the, all the space within. You can adjust it mm. to what you need and what you don't need instead of having this big stupid lift in the middle of the building that really limits on what you can do. So a lot of it is better design, a more clever design. Uh, if you look at, there's a place called the Rediscovery Centre out in Ballymun, Pretty much the whole building is recycled. Um, the furniture is secondhand and repurposed. I think they're using sheep's wool as insulation. They've got LED lighting. It's very, very impressive. Their energy footprint is what's, tiny. What's it like to walk into though? How does it make it's, you feel? It's, it's nice. It looks cool. Okay. Uh, it's very interesting. It's kind of funky. It's, it's kind of, of it will come down to that, won't it? Yeah, it does. But I mean, again, that's really lick of paint and clever design, clever interior mm. design as to how the building functions and how it works. But really backing it all up. It's, it's a low energy building and it's mm -hmm. a much more sustainable building. And ultimately it comes down to it's cheaper to run. It's a warmer building. It's all the stuff that you're doing retrofitting your cottage. Mm -hmm. It's those benefits. And that's really what I think we need to be looking at. We also need to look at kind of other things. If you look at the Irish climate, for example, do all offices need air conditioning? Probably not. You can probably just open the windows, you know, if you design it a bit better and then close some, them in the winter. Some buildings don't have windows that open. Uh, Actually, some, do you know, yep, some really yep. modern buildings don't. I was in, yep. had the good luck to be at in Cupertino, Apple's headquarters a couple of months ago, and they have this new billion dollar campus that Steve Jobs originally mm. uh, designed before he died. And it's a big circular thing. It looks like a big spaceship donut and none of the windows open. And the reason that none of the windows open was because Jobs said he didn't want people screwing up the airflow. Yeah. It was for a really neurotic Steve yeah. Jobs. Well, a lot of these kind reason. of these buildings are these these net zero buildings and all the rest operate yeah. on the same thing. They are more efficient, but you know, fresh air is good too. Yeah, you know. Funny thing about that building as well is when you walk around it and you walk, sorry, you're walking through the corridors. It is incredibly futuristic for anyone who wants to know. I did put up pictures on my Twitter and Instagram feeds from inside it. But when you open doors, like it, it, it's, not, it's not even apparent sometimes when the doors, when the difference between a door and a wall. It's so futuristic. It looks like something like from a Woody Allen movie of 70, a vision of the future mm. from a Woody Allen 70s movie. It's mm. kind of, 
It's incredibly impressive, Gene Roddenberry-esque, and still slightly dystopian at the same time. Um, would I work there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Um, but um, anyway, Paul, I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for coming in and giving us the benefit of your considerable expertise mm. and wisdom. And uh, no doubt we will check in soon to see whether I did get that six grand back from the SEAI um, uh, f- uh, in, in a few months time. But uh, for now, um, that is Paul Neely, the environment editor for the Irish Independent. And that is me also for this week. Shorter than usual uh, podcast, but we'll be back next, uh, next week to talk about cryptocurrency and blockchain and all the good stuff that that brings. So for me, Adrian Wacker, the tech editor of the Irish Sunday Independent, you've been listening to The Big Tech Show. Bye-bye for now.